Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I hope nobody's in a funk this morning. All right. I always have to ask that because uh, a lot of people tune in and they're looking for inspiration and you've come to the right spot. And if you're not familiar with my show, you can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I interview a lot of authors and actors and people in health and wellness. And this morning, I'm doing something a little different because I think uh, this could bring a little joy to some people. I'm interviewing the author Matt Haynes, who's written this enormous book called The Big Book of King Cake, the stories and bakers behind New Orleans' sweetest tradition. And we're going to dive into the conversation of this whole tradition I actually had never heard of, uh, which started years and years ago. So I'm going to bring on Matt right now. Good morning, Matt. Hey, good morning, Janine. Good morning. I, as I said to you before we got started, I, this book is amazing. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, we had a lot of fun putting it together, and uh, it ended up much better than I could have ever imagined. So thank you. I feel like you need to do, if, if it wasn't a pandemic, you needed to do like a, a baking demo with, you know, some of the samplings of uh, what's in this book. You know, they're mouth Yeah, well, you know, we've done some events here in New Orleans where we do exactly that. But, uh, but yeah, I think... Uh, if I had it to do over again, I may have added a couple more recipes. We have a few in there, but uh, people seem really interested in how you actually make these cakes. So I want to I dive into uh, the tradition, because one of the chapters focuses on that. And uh, I had never heard of this, so could you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I guess I can just start with kind of what a king cake is for, for listeners, and, and I'll kind of move into the tradition from there. Uh, but, but king cake is really it's the most popular food eaten during... Uh, what we call in New Orleans carnival season, which is the period between January 6th, which in a lot of parts of the country is called Epiphany, okay. or Twelfth Night, as in the Twelfth Night of Christmas. And that's the day that Christians believe the three wise men or three kings found the baby Jesus and gave him their you know, three famous gifts. Okay. And so king cake is eaten, and it's called king cake after those three kings. So it's eaten between um, then January 6th and Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras, which this year is tomorrow, March 1st. Oh, perfect um, and, timing. Yeah, and the cake is uh, traditionally made of brioche dough, though nowadays it can be made with any dough, including cinnamon roll dough or sweet dough or croissanto or anything like that. It's ring-shaped, and some people say that's meant to emulate uh, the crown that the three kings might have worn, and it's uh, colorful on top. And so in Louisiana, that color usually comes from a white icing and then three-colored sugar um, purple, green, and gold, which are the colors of Mardi Gras. And if I look out my window right so. now, the first people I'm going to see are probably wearing purple, green, and gold. Everyone's wearing that this time of year. So you can have a matching cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, everything's kind of matching. <laughs> Everything is purple, green, and gold. And it's funny because, uh, well, my girlfriend just moved here a couple of years ago, and she's like, what are with these colors? They're so gaudy together. But, I mean, it works. Mardi Gras is a little bit of a, yeah, it's just it's, it's that time of year. Could you describe what Mardi Gras is for people that don't know? Yeah, so Mardi Gras is, um, I mean, it started off as, a, as kind of a, a Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. um, and it was, uh, and it dates back thousands and thousands, actually the traditions date back pre-Christianity to pagan Rome, but the idea is like, we're about to get, now it's because of, of Lent, we're about to get to this time of kind of scarcity and fasting, and so it's one chance to be really decadent um, before before you get to that more scarce time of year, and, okay. and here in New Orleans, we celebrate it with, you know, big feasts. Um, of which the king cake is part of that, and uh, tons of parades. Like every day, there's four, five, six parades, and tens Whoa. of thousands of people out in the street celebrating uh, these like multi-storied uh, floats that go by, and people are throwing beads and coins and yes. cups and 
moon pies and everything you can imagine. <laughs> uh, all everyone's costumed in these brightly colored costumes, um, and uh, and usually if you're walking up and down the parade route, um, you'll see that um, you know most of the the tables with all the food has have a king cake on it, and um, and inside the cake, um, and this is the part that I think is most famous about king cake is that there's usually a, a plastic baby hidden inside. I like was a wondering plastic, about a plastic that baby figurine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you get the so. What maybe if there were twenty of us at a party, you'd cut the cake into twenty different pieces, and whoever got the slice with the plastic baby figurine and inside, um, that's considered good luck, and you'd be crowned king or queen um, for the day, and you'd be responsible for bringing the next cake or hosting the next party, and that's a, a, a tradition here that's gone on for for centuries in in Louisiana, um, but like again, like I said, it, it dates back all the way to ancient Rome, but back then. Um, you'd be king or queen of the Saturnalia. You'd have a really uh, great week where you were treated like royalty, but then you were okay. sacrificed to the gods. So oh, we don't do that anymore. That's at least. no good. No. So Matt, yeah. is the is the little baby that looks like it's like two inches um, baked into yeah. the cake? So, um, or is it there, sitting it's, on top? It's not. There are if it traditionally it would be a bean or a pecan or something, and that oh. would be baked into the cake. Oh, okay. um, a few people have made the mistake of trying to bake the plastic baby into the cake, but that's. Uh, unhealthy and sometimes melts the baby yes so uh so people typically put it in after the fact unless you're using uh like a ceramic um, baby or something like that Uh, but now even because of like liability issues a lot of times people bakers will just put the baby uh, like kind of on top of the cake and then you'll be able to hide it on your own yeah yeah they can do whatever they want with the little plastic baby exactly right Yeah, yeah yeah but uh but traditionally it was something different than the plastic baby and some like really like traditional-minded bakers are starting to look back to some of those old, like, traditions. Like in France, for example, they have something, a cake that translates to cake of kings. So it's a very similar tradition. And they have something called a feb that's hidden inside. And those febs are ceramic, and they could be anything. I think there's uh, some people who make febs based on works of art. There are some that use the players from the World Cup winning French soccer team. There are some, I think there's a feb for every uh, position in the Kama Sutra, for example. So there's lots of different versions of things that could be hidden inside the cake. Interesting. Interesting. And was it hard choosing these different bakeries? Because there's so many. Yeah. I mean, so we have 75 different bakers featured in the book. And um, I, a lot of people are like, oh, so these are your 75 favorite bakeries. How'd you leave this bakery off? Right. But it's not really my favorite. I mean, also everyone has these cakes, the different versions of cane cake. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to this. They're so unique and varied. And we all have such different tastes. Some people like plainer things. Some, some people like, um, you know, lots of fillings. And so that's part of the fun is there's all this debate. So these are not like the best king. I'm, I'm not going to say these are the 75 best that have ever existed. I yes. love them. Uh, but I think it's more like here are 75 cakes that can show um, the variety of cakes, but also the variety of bakers yeah. um, and traditions that exist in New Orleans. And um and so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, most people were very excited to be in the book. Maybe some we were doing it during the summer. Some some bakeries were closed. And you know, so I just uh, tried to find a, a really good variety that represented this amazing, unique tradition we have here. I love that um, they do vary in the way they look. Like one from Brennan's, um, they said they had to mm-hmm. order $2,200 worth of pink glitter. And, and their cakes are bright pink. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's got. So for for them, the reason they did that is because um, they're. They, I mean, Brennan's is uh, um, 
I think more than now, a hundred year old restaurant and yes. their building is famously pink. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to have a king cake. Like I was saying before, the king cake typically is purple, green and gold. Uh, there's a lot of purple and green and gold king cakes out there. And so they wanted to do something a little bit different. So they had this pink king cake kind of in as a nod to their history. And that was the fun thing about like, when I started creating the book, I thought I was making a book about cakes. And then I quickly realized, oh, no, this is way more interesting if it's a book about the people who make the king cakes and yes. the history behind them and how those personal histories create these really unique versions of this 5,000-year-old cake. Definitely. And, um, and so that's one great example of it. But, like, you know, for example, we have a, um, a Honduran bakery uh, in New Orleans called Norma's Sweets. And um, I had no idea that we have in New Orleans one of the biggest Honduran populations in the country. Um, I think second only to to New York City. And so those bakers, when they moved here, they had not much interest in king cake. They didn't know what it was. But as they've been here longer and longer, they wanted to be a part of these carnival and Mardi Gras traditions. And so, okay, what what can we add that doesn't already exist? And it's really popular in Latin countries to have uh, guava and cream cheese in your pastries. And so, well, why don't we make a king cake that's guava and cream cheese? And they thought they were doing it just for for fun for their Honduran-American customers but now, I mean, if you go there to try to get one of these king cakes uh, from this small bakery, um, you're going to be waiting in line for a half hour outside oh. the door, and you'll be lucky to <laughs> even get one. And they said that that for non-Honduran Americans, for New Orleanians who have been here for generations, that they value their king cake, um, you know, so much makes them feel a part of the city in the way that they in a way they hadn't before, like sure. beforehand. And I think that's that's really nice. So let me just jump in here. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Matt Haynes, who's written this great book called The Big Book of King Cake, The Stories and Bakers Behind New Orleans. Sweetest tradition, the photographer is Randy Krause Schmidt, who did an amazing job. Um, yes. Talk about why king cakes are round. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's uh, with, with a lot of these traditions, they date back so many years, um, that like thousands of years. And so it's impossible to to nail down exactly mm-hmm. why that's the case, but some theories include, so um, like I was saying before, ancient Rome, the Saturnalia festival, yeah. um, the cake was round. Like the, they, they were say, they were celebrating the Saturnalia festival to celebrate the reborn sun. And that's okay. like literally the sun because Saturnalia would be around the winter solstice, which yes. is the longest nights of the year, um, right at the, you know, kind of uh, the, the darkest, uh, the, the sun would be rising the least high, in the sky all year long, but every single day afterwards, the sun's rising a little bit higher. So they saw that as a rebirth. And so to honor the reborn sun, they'd have a cake that was circular and golden brown like that new sun. Okay. And, um, and then they would hide the bean inside. But yeah. then when Christian, you know, Rome brought their traditions as it became the Roman Empire from, from England in the West to the Middle East and the East, um, when the Roman Empire collapsed, um, the Catholic Church was one of the next big empires up. And rather than getting rid of those pagan traditions, they decided to adapt them. And so um, king cake uh, became a lot more, um, uh, you know, a lot more king imagery and, and, yes. and uh, Jesus imagery. And so um, some people say that the king cake is now, there's a hole in the middle, so it's ring-like, and they say that's supposed to emulate a crown, and the colors are supposed to emulate, like, the jewels on a crown, um, and because okay. that's what the three kings might have worn. Um, uh, some people say that it's circular because it's supposed to show the unity of the different uh, sects of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other people, people who are more practical and bakery-minded, say, oh, no, it's, it's round because like, it's oval mostly, and that's because if your king cakes are meant to be eaten as a community, you're not going to eat one you know, by right. yourself typically. No way. <laughs> and so you need to make these really big 
oval yes. king cakes because that what's, that's what fits best in the oven. Yes. Um, so maybe that's the reason. Who knows? There's a lot of different theories. What I do love about this book, uh, one of the many things, is that you wrote this, what, 2021? Or you started the concept 2020? No, 2021 is there. Everything happened uh, this past year. Is a very I didn't I didn't sleep very much, but everything else uh, took place so in 2021. You, you do this in a pandemic, and what's nice is that mm-hmm. we're all feeling very isolated. But it seems that you've really, you know, brought to light the magic of all these different places, uh, New Orleans, and all the, as you said, all these stories, these beautiful stories. Like here's one. Uh, she's she's a dancer, professional dancer, Caitlin Gurin. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a, and she know, makes an, yeah, an incredible king cake. And she, um, like a lot of bakers, they were doing something else at the start of the pandemic and mm-hmm. then um, uh, weren't able to do those things anymore because those jobs were a lot of service industry people and dancers. They weren't able to do the things they were doing beforehand. And so they had to find other work and they had a, a baking hobby that they decided, hey, you know what? I love this. I'm going to try to make this a job. I'm going to take this risk. Like many of us took some uh, career, made some career changes during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. so- um, there's a, a host of new pop-up bakeries. Caitlin's is included in that, who have started their own versions of, of, of king cakes during that time. And so that's part of the story of, of New Orleans, uh, especially during the pandemic. And so I, I think what was cool is that in these 75 different stories, um, you see a history of this, of this amazing city, amazing and diverse city, um, kind of as it looks at this moment. Um, there are Hondurans, there are Vietnamese, there are um, you know, a lot of black-owned bakeries and, and white-owned bakeries, of course, and there are, you know, dancers and bartenders and all these people who had to switch jobs during the pandemic. All these stories exist, and when you look at them all together, um, it's the story of what the, the city looks like. It's beautiful, and the creativity is incredible. I mean, I'm I'm looking through the book, uh, the, this place called Jack Rose, and, you know, the mm-hmm. Mile High Pie, and then everything yeah. is so outstanding. Did you get to try a lot of these? Yeah, I tried pretty much uh, 98% of the cakes in this book, and there must Whoa. be 200, 300 cakes in this book. Um, I tried all of them um, over the course of a summer, and I gained a lot of weight. So, yeah, I, Happily. I did the hard work. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was, it was very nice. I, I, was, I was doing a pretty good job of losing that weight until yeah. now that Mardi Gras is here. I've, I've, I've put it back on again. So oh, We'll be back so at what? it afterwards. <laughs> what I was going to ask is, what about somebody listening who says, oh, these look amazing, but I'm gluten-free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's another, like, uh, I'm really glad you brought it up because there, there's a baker featured in the book. And she's just, again, one of several bakers in the book who um, make uh, king cakes for those who have dietary restrictions. And so she said her story, and again, this is just a, just like the Honduran story I was telling you before. Yeah. This is an example of a baker who uh, something in their own personal history informed the unique way they make a king cake. And so I think she said about seven years ago, she realized that she was gluten intolerant. And so she was a baker at that point, but she was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to take these recipes I do very well. And I'm going to uh, do the really hard work of trying to make them even better um, as uh, with dietary restrictions. And so she didn't want to stop at just a gluten intolerance. She does people who are allergic to dairy or oat or all these different things. She said she makes like 13 different king cake recipes based on different restrictions. And she said the reason that she does it is because um, it breaks her heart that there's a, uh, you know, the idea that there's a child out there who can't get the birthday cake they want or a Louisiana kid who wants a king cake and sees the king cakes are in schools um, in every single classroom during carnival season. And she said the idea that there's a kid who can't enjoy those king cakes with their classmates is heartbreaking to her. And so she set out to make cakes for, for anyone that anyone can eat and that are very delicious as well.
Tell me her name again, if people want to look that up, if they're there. It's Yeah, Nicole Maurer, M-A-U-R-E-R, and her bakery is Creme Confectionery, C-R-E-M-E, and then Confectionery. Okay, good, because I know, you know people that travel there, and if, a lot of people have restrictions. Yeah, 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 and she, she also ships, um, this is, uh, she ships all across the country, too, so no matter where you're listening from, you can, uh, you can have her king cake or, or just all of the amazing things she does ship amazing. your way. You know, in a time of incredible isolation with the pandemic, this must have brought you a lot of joy. Yeah, I mean, I um, it was a great way to. I mean, it's, first of all, it's just exciting to do something new, just the same way for those those uh, new bakers who were doing something else and got into a new career. But but yeah, to, I think what I realized I was doing that I didn't realize at the beginning is that um, like I wasn't really inventing something. I was just it was a compilation of of the work these amazing people in New Orleans are doing and to bring all of these different stories together mm-hmm. and to tell the city, I'm not from New Orleans. I moved here 13 years ago and I fell in love with this place and to tell the story really of why I fell in love with this city um, through the story of, of King Cakes um, was really fun to do and to celebrate these amazing bakers. One, one of the bakers is from Philadelphia okay. and um, she has a bakery here, a really popular one called La Boulangerie. And she said that um, the first thing that caught her eye and, and caused her to fall in love with the city was that um, she realized New Orleanians argue about their favorite bakers the way that other cities argue about their favorite sports teams. And so she said that's a lot of fun, and she <laughs> wanted to be in a place that did that. <laughs> that's so funny. I want to yeah. mention that I put all your information on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And I love the story how you, you, you first heard about the cake. You tried it in 2017, and you ate more than 80 varieties during a single <laughs> carnival season. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was invited to a king cake party, and, and the idea is everyone's supposed to bring their favorite uh, cake to that party. And, so, and then there would be a vote at the end as to who brought the best one. And I, am a very, I have a competitive personality and wanted to win. And so I started to say, well, let me find the best one. And I ended up eating uh, 88 of them. Uh, that year, which was <laughs> magic. I did not gain any weight that year because all I was eating was king cake. So I wasn't healthy, but I was calorically being calorically responsible, I guess. <laughs> now, how did you connect <laughs> with Randy to do the photography? It's beautiful. Yeah. When I, yeah, oh my God, Randy is amazing. And that was uh, the first, the, the first very good decision I made was hiring Randy. Um, I knew that I had to hire somebody. My, um, my, my photography skills, if you look at my own personal Instagram account is not strong. And so I, uh, you know, my girlfriend and I just started looking, uh, creating a list of every New Orleans photographer we could find and narrowed it down to four. Um, and then I interviewed all four. And I think Randy was just, he was so excited to do it. And his work previously was so strong. And I remember the, the question that I asked him was, uh, you know, like, look, we're going to create a nearly 400 page book with, with hundreds and hundreds, thousands of photos mm-hmm. of, of, of cake. And how do we make this not boring? How do we make right. it so that when you go page to page, it doesn't feel like the same thing over and over again? And his answer was something along the lines of, well, I mean, each of these cakes is unique. And so we need to think real hard about what, of each of, what makes each of those cakes unique and hone in on that thing. And that's what's going to tell the story. And, and that's how I was thinking about um, the text as well. And yes. so it just seemed like a good match. And it was very nice to have a partner like that throughout all 75 plus of these photo shoots. Well, and as you said, what makes it really interesting are, is the backstory of the people. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. And I think thing. that matches up well with um, with the with the photos that he took. You can kind of like again. I think it's for for one, another example. There's a, a really famous restaurant here called Saba. It's by James Beard Award-winning chef Alan Shia, 
Okay. And Alan, um, he's from, he's was born in Israel. Um, his grandparents were from Eastern Europe, and they um, would teach him how to make all of their favorite Eastern European things. And that's where he really fell in love was doing that. And he remembers as a kid loving babka. Oh, and so yes. when he was trying to make a king, he, he's at a restaurant that gets a lot of people in there. He wanted to have a king cake, but he didn't want to just reinvent the, the traditional king cake. And so he's like, okay, well, why don't I make a babka king cake? And that was his way to marry his childhood memories and his love for his grandparents with his love for his new home. And so like that was that's what we focused on obviously is in his story is how is that marriage of those two ideas. Amazing. I went to uh, your website matthaineswrites.com and you have mm-hmm. uh, a link to all the featured bakery shops and makers. That's quite the long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got uh, yeah, there were <laughs> gosh, uh, I guess there were 75 bakeries and then we had like um you know we we also have this section of all these different international king cakes so i think by the end of those it ends up being about 85 or 90 uh different bakers featured here and again it's a celebration of them Um, and i think through that celebration it uh it it, it tells the story of of the city and i imagine there's a food like that in in every city um that uh is kind of universally loved everybody here in New Orleans, everybody loves king cake here. If not even just the, the, if they don't love the taste of it, they love just the tradition behind it. It's like the sure. mascot of everyone's favorite time of the year here. Definitely. Um, but then nobody can agree on what their favorite king cake is, which makes it extra <laughs> fun. And so there's all this debating, and um, and I think that this uh, the book tried to capture that spirit. Yeah, and it's it's a really um, wonderfully well written book. As I said, great pictures, and it really is very uplifting. I thought it'd be perfect for get the funk out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, I, I, um, I, that was. There's no, there's no real unless you consider um, which bakery was the first to add filling to their king cake, like too confrontational. Otherwise, it's a very uh, non-confrontational book that is just a celebration of, of people and and creative spirit and overcoming adversity. Um, there's a lot of that in the book, and so yeah, it was uh, it was a pleasure to create, and uh, and it seems like people have enjoyed it because it's also just an uplifting thing to read. That's great. So I want to give a shout out to your publisher, uh, Susan. Is it Shate Press? Uh, Susan Shot Press. Shot yes, Press. She's here in New Orleans as well. Yep. And it's available at the Big Book of local bookstores, bakeries, and shops, as well as major national online retailers. Anything else you'd like to leave us with? No, I think um, I uh, I appreciate you chatting with me, and uh, I guess the one thing I would add is um, I didn't realize when I was like everyone has such an interesting story. Um, if you just ask the right questions or pay attention enough, I, like I said, I thought I was just looking at cake. And then uh, when you start to ask people about how they came to their cakes, yes. um, everyone had just this unbelievable story behind it. And so I'd encourage everyone to just ask questions and be curious. Don't you think this experience changed you as a writer? I feel like it did. It's made me a much better writer because it's made me a much more curious uh, writer. I just feel like now I understand the idea that there is a story everywhere. Yes. And um, and so no matter what I'm looking at, no matter how, like, oh, Oh my God! I have to go and and photograph another king cake today. It it, it was not like that at all. It's like, oh right. my God, what am I going to learn about yes. uh, why this person? Why is this person adding? Um, why does this person have octopus on top of their king cake? I That's saw crazy! That. <laughs> I cannot wait to find out the story behind that. Yes, and what's so interesting yeah. too, Matt, is I feel like when you completely are not expecting it, meeting somebody new can be such a gift. Mm-hmm. And that really is the. Um, I think it's something we all yearn for now that we're moving out of the pandemic is a chance to organically meet people, um, you know, that are outside of our, our pod again. Yes, yes. And but that really is like how New Orleans defines itself, especially this time of year. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's such a, a breath of fresh air, literally to walk outside the door and 
people just you go to the parade round and people are offering um, whatever they have at their table to eat or a chance, you know, it's it just everyone's so nice here, especially this time of year. And everyone's just so excited to celebrate with one another. Um, and I think that's uh, that's also what this book is about. Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for calling into the show. It's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have a great and, uh, day. Happy Mardi Gras, everyone. <laughs> you too. Have fun. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you missed any part of my conversation with Matt, it will be uh, available as a podcast within an hour after I wrap. All you have to do is go to the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. (laughs) 